What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's 1.11 a.m. in Holmby Hills, Los Angeles. And you're listening to Night Call. Hello and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. My name is Emily Oshida. I am in New York City. And with me, as always, on the other line, I have... Molly Lambert and Tess Lynch, of course. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Night Call. Welcome back to Night Call. Another week. Another lonely week. Another call. (laughs) Another week, another call. Um, Tess and I, at least, had our journey to Rhyme City this past 
weekend, the the weekend that Detective Pikachu came out and blew Avengers out of the water. This Boom. is now a, this is now a Bafo Bio uh, podcast. <laughs> we care about uh, those those returns, baby. Uh, <laughs> the only time I've ever played the stock exchange was when I did the Hollywood stock exchange. Me too. That's I right. totally yeah. did that. Yeah. Of course, it costs no money. That's yeah. why we did it. Um, also, I'll bet we were both really good at it, which is why we're all now super producers. Yep. Yeah. Just like no. Julia Phillips. I will say that Night Call did Night Call the success of Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah, we I mean, all aboard. We, we can take a tiny bit of credit too for kind of delving into Dan Hernandez, co-writer of Detective Pikachu's history as the son of a cryptozoologist. Right. Yeah, that was a real origin story. It was. People were like, "Oh, I don't know about this Detective Pikachu movie, but they say one of the co-writers had a father who was a cryptozoologist. Well, he's <laughs> he's got the stuff. This is this is my kind of adaptation." They're like, he might know Pokemons, but does he know about what the Hattie skunk told ape? Maddie? Exactly. <laughs> skunk ape. Yeah, everybody go listen to our podcast with uh, Dan Hernandez. If you have not already, we go in on, on the Pika Pikas and the <laughs> Psyducks and whatnot. Um, but Tess, you, you got to go to uh, the Americana to see... Detective Pikachu on opening day, which I feel like must have been a zoo, the central hive of of every child who wants to see Detective Pikachu. Let me tell you a little hack that I did. Um, We knew that it was going to be crazy on Friday at the Americana, but we also knew that children get out of school at three. Mm -hmm. And so we went on the Fandango. We got the tickets to Detective Pikachu well in advance for the 2.15 showing. We ripped our children out of school early because (laughs) we ripped them from their campuses. We stuffed them into the sedan and off we rode to the Americana. And it was great because it was a pretty full house. But then on the way out, we saw a bunch of people come and we were like, ha 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 Wow, you got it. That is a good hack. We're really good at... Honestly, the Americana, I I now feel like I have all the inside secrets of the Americana. <laughs> I will tell you this also, is that I learned on Easter, um, to see the Easter Bunny and get your photo taken with the Easter Bunny is like crazy expensive. But if you just hang out and wait for the bunny's carrot break, the bunny is going to walk <laughs> to his carrot break and he'll come over and wave to your children. And then you can be like, oh, look at that. He waved it. Oh, we yeah, also we're did done. this hack. Yeah, it's I such a good hack. I think it was maybe the same day. Yeah, I was there with my brother <laughs> yeah. and his wife and their child. That's uh, how you do it. It was, we were there the day the bunny was taking his press photos. <laughs> so they were just doing a bunch of posed photos of the bunny all over the park. But yeah, the paparazzi like, were just on get, it. Get the bunny in the background waving at the kid for free. <laughs> yep. So that's how you do it. And that's how you go see Detective well, Pikachu as you go to the 215 showing. Tess, what were uh, your kids' favorite parts of the film? Like what? What was the bang for their buck? They honestly, they loved all of it. I would say that. So my kids are almost seven and three and a half years old. And my three and a half year old has never seen. I mean, she she saw How to Train Your Dragon in the theaters. She saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. But this was maybe the most like suspenseful. Well, it's I a very like I was I was sitting in between like kids because that was just where our seats ended up being. And I was looking over and I was like, yeah. are they paying attention? Like it's a pretty like advanced <laughs> film. But then I was also like, I it don't understand any of the like Mewtwo, like all this deep Pokemon mythology oh. stuff. So I was I was lost on that. And I'm like, they probably get all that. Like I can follow the detective story, which is like surprisingly advanced for a children's movie. Um yeah, it was. And then yeah. they can get all the like deep Pokemon mythology stuff, and and 
Yeah. Well, yes. So my son is is like very, very deep, has been in, into the Pokemon verse for a long time. And my daughter the is Pokemon Deep State. Yes. The Pokemon Deep, the Poke Deep State. Um, my daughter has kind of like started to learn. So she's really into like she was into the Bulbasaur's. There's a big, you know, twist ending. We won't spoil it. But I will say I don't think I'm spoiling much by saying that even I did not realize that the Pokemon Mewtwo, which looks like it, I, it looks like kind of like a an interpretive, like a modern dancer in like a le- like a full length pink are leotard, and it, like the hams and quads on yeah. Mewtwo are like bodybuilder level. I just like. Mewtwo is terrifying. (laughs) Mewtwo floats in a tank because Mewtwo was made in a lab from the remains of ancient Mew, which is a uh, maybe it's the original Pokemon. So my son, one of the first cards, maybe he one of the first cards he asked for was Mew, which I think I may have gotten even a fake one, but I'm not sure on (laughs) on eBay. And it Pokemon cards for your kids. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Your kid will come home and he's like peeled apart the cards because they're supposed to be like a little black layer between. And then they're like, you have to look at the fonts and the borders and all this stuff to see if they're real. And then you have to be like, Does it matter? <laughs> and they're like, maybe not. <laughs> but the card for Mew is covered in like hieroglyphics. Right. Yeah, they tried to clone Mewtwo and ended up or ancient Mew and then ended up with so, Mewtwo. But that's in the, that's in the film, though. Wow. Yeah. Well, they have like a a little informational video when they're going into Rhyme City, which is very, very like fun, where they kind of explain what Pokemon are in the world. And it shows like throughout history, Pokemon and humans have lived side by side. And they have like the old ancient Egyptian art with like the Bulbasaur and stuff yes. next to the pharaoh and that kind of it's like very fun that that kind of stuff I always get a kick out of that almost felt like an homage to mm. Zootopia oh, you yeah. know where they're riding that train and being it is like, very, welcome yeah. to Zootopia where we all live harmoniously but it's a really effective yeah. way to like get the feel I don't know I, I thought very it was a really well done movie my kids were super into it yeah no yes. I was uh, I was into it the, the degree of cuteness achieved by the animators who animated Pikachu is just like I feel like it's mm-hmm. worth like they need to have a cuteness Oscar or something because I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the engineering of cute and like why I feel like I want to peel off my skin when I'm looking at Pikachu like why it's just like too cute for me to <laughs> handle <laughs> yeah it's his mouth and eyebrows Guys. his mouth and eyebrows are tremendously well animated sorry I'm going really deep into whether Mewtwo is part of something about Mew the lost continent is it Pop- there's no way to know there's no way. Probably, I don't know. It's an ancient lost continent uh, proposed by 19th century traveler and writer Augustus Laplongeon, who so claimed you, that yeah. several ancient civilizations, such as those of Egypt and Mesoamerica, were created by refugees from Mu that sank into the oh. Atlantic Ocean. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's I'm, that's pretty convincing. It, I did not expect you to. It has no swing. factual basis. Um, scientists dismiss Mu and other alleged lost continents like Lemuria as physically impossible. It's just MU. But it says there's also in the 1983 Doraemon movie, Doraemon Navita in the castle of the undersea (laughs) devil, um, Doraemon and friends meet a young boy from Mu who is an undersea person. They set out into the Bermuda Triangle to stop the army inside it. 
Uh, there's like a bunch of anime, I guess, that talk about the lost continent Whoa, of the moon. Whoa, Molly, good reporting. And an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yeah. Well, I feel like the Pokemon mythos goes deep. It's it like does. It is like the Lovecraft mythos. It has a lot of like weird imaginary uh, monsters, yeah. but they're cute instead of being horrifying. That's true. Like the Squirtle. But then yeah, like Mewtwo the Mewtwo is kind of scary. Yes, um, Mewtwo, Mewtwo is scary. I mean, there are many scary Pokemon, and that's the, and the whole deal. And they're cute. They cross the spectrum. Yep. Do you guys know about the Pika? The, isn't the real it called Pikachu? a no. Pika? Or is it a Pika? <laughs> maybe it's a Pika. Is it P? What's it? How it's do you spell pika, it? It's a Pika, maybe. I'm going to show Tess a picture of it. It looks just like a Pikachu. Um, Literally just like a Pikachu? Pretty more than you would think something was capable <laughs> of. There's also, they picked the cutest uh, picture for the Wikipedia. I don't think that looks like a Pikachu. Well, come on. I saw, no, I saw it's it's a Pikachu Scratch with a friend of mine yeah. who is French. She grew up in France, and um, she was telling me about all the different names for the Pokemon in French because we get, you know, like American English Pokemon Ooh. names, except, you know, there are some that cross over from the Japanese. Like Pikachu stays the same, I think, pre- pretty much everywhere, but a lot of the other ones are are different. And she was telling me some of them, and they were so cute because they all, like, I feel like there's somebody whose job it is to just, like, translate all these sort of subtle puns uh, between all the Pokemon's names. And she was telling me, like, about, oh, I wish I could remember the French Jigglypuff name if somebody could look it up because it was so cute. It was, like, there's a French word for, like, a thing that you love that you want to hug, like your favorite childhood toy, like a teddy bear or something. So it's, like, based off of that. It's extremely, extremely cute. I looked it up. It's Rondodo. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> French Jigglypuff. Yeah. Ooh, I found no, a, it's a list whole, of it's French a whole other world. names. I mean, the English ones are, I wonder if they're always kind of like portmanteaus, you know, like like Squirtle and that kind of stuff. Charmander is, is called Salamesh. <laughs> oh, my God. French French Pokemon fans, please uh, give us a call. <laughs> Tell us your favorite French Kitty's puns. name yes. is Rukul. Yeah. They yeah, all Pikachu, are really good. Oh, Pikachu. but Pikachu is Pikachu. Which is why it's easy Across to market a worldwide blockbuster such as Detective Pikachu because you don't have to change the name at all. Jigglypuff is Rondodo and Wigglytuff is Grododo. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we ha- we wanted to take a few night calls this week. Uh, and as always, if you have a night call, you can give us a call at one two four zero four six night. Or an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Let's start with this first one because it comes uh, – it's the day after Mother's Day today as we're recording this. So I feel like we should, we should, uh, we should read this one. Shout out to the moms. <laughs> Shout out to I'm Nancy, gonna... Emily's mom. mom. Shout out to Tess who is a mom. Thank you. All right. My mom writes, uh, good morning, ladies. I was listening to your pod on the hand that rocks the cradle and had to share a connection. It has been a long time since I watched it, but I I remember the establishing shot of Peyton's apartment was the building above a favorite coffee shop in downtown Tacoma, Grounds for Coffee. But I have another connection. A friend of mine leased her house for the production, and that is where Rebecca de Mornay stayed when she was filming in Tacoma. Emily and I have both been in it for Fourth of July parties because it has a great view of Puget Sound. And then she sent a photo of the former building that has grounds for coffee in it or had grounds for coffee in it because it is now, at least last time I was in Tacoma, a Tully's Coffee. Uh, boo, Tully's Coffee. Um, boo, <laughs> Tully's Coffee. This, the, but like I did not recognize this in the film at all, which surprises me because this building 
was so iconic to me in my childhood. It was um, this very, to me at the time and like, the 90s in Tacoma, it was just like the coolest, most sophisticated coffee shop. It was sort of like a mini version of the Flatiron building mm-hmm. in New York. So it was like <laughs> one of these really skinny kind of wedge buildings that sort of like where two streets kind of came to a point. Um, and I, yeah, it's like four stories tall and just had like this cool lounge. It was like all windows on the bottom floor. So you could like see all the people going by in downtown Tacoma and people like still walked around downtown Tacoma <laughs> before it completely died as a downtown uh and yeah so i so apparently her her apartment was supposed to be above that which is a pretty cool place if it's not going to be seattle then that's a pretty cool place in tacoma for uh (laughs) for uh an adult to live (laughs) that made tacoma look lovely it did yeah i didn't remember that like i said i didn't remember that film shooting at all when i was a kid because i think i just would have been too young but uh, yeah, had no idea that it was so close to home. Thanks, mom. Thank Thanks, you, Nancy. Emily's mom. <laughs> uh, I think we talked about me- our own memories of things that were shooting mm-hmm. in neighborhoods. We did yeah. near us. But if you have more memories to share, please give us a call at two four zero four six night. As Emily already prompted you to do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hijack. Uh, our conversation for a minute because I have we have to spend a minute with some animals of note from the past two weeks if we may I don't know if you guys have have seen the photos from this but a Chinese live streamer named Seaside Girl Little 7 she does kind of like you know mukbang type videos and she had a live octopus that she was planning to eat and the octopus got revenge and attached itself to her face and she spent an entire minute trying to get it off and she eventually succeeded but one of our listeners shared this in the Facebook group uh, Night Callers which you can certainly join and said that um, she has stopped eating cephalopods because of our podcast oh good so I would just like to nominate this angry octopus as one of our many animal mascots I thought you were going to say the girl stopped eating cephalopods I know I would love if this reached her no the worst part of this story is that the end of the video she was like I'll eat it next time and every the response was overwhelmingly like no don't do it yeah you should have learned your lesson I Um, I just get such like uh I don't know like vicarious PTSD is from people who mm -hmm. are trying to eat the live octopi because like I it's not like more gross than a lot of other things it's not that it's gross it's that it's very dangerous well, it's right. dangerous for the person doing it, but maybe it's like in order to eat an animal, you should have to fight it to the death, you know, to yeah. deserve to eat it. Yeah. I mean, the thing I was just going to say is like I got in one of the worst fights I've ever gotten in in my life over old boy because, you know, the scene at the beginning where he does mm-hmm. he eats the live octopus. It's like he's just gotten out of a prison right. cell That's for 20 years or whatever. Um, but that was right. done for real. And I think they did like five takes of it or something. And the actor is a Buddhist. So every Every time they would go up for another take, you'd have to, like, do a prayer to, like, you know, absolve himself of taking this life because, you know, Buddhists don't eat meat and everything. And I got in, like, the biggest fight over the validity of old boy as art um, because of the fact that it took, like, you know, probably five octopi lives um, to make that film. That's horrible. <laughs> that just should never wait, have been wait, allowed. Wait, what side were you on? I was on. Uh, I I mean, old boy's great. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. No, that's what I thought you were gonna say. I was like, you're pro old boy. I'm pro old boy. You can be pro old boy and still know that 
you could have had a puppet octopus. Right. Well, that's, I mean, but, no, you cannot have a puppet octopus. You could, like, you could have a fo- puppet octopus. I think now you, you could do a CGI octopus, but I don't think Here's you could what, have when Old Boy was made. I think it would have looked really like, bad. Uh, no, you wouldn't. You can't use a CGI octopus because the whole thing is that he got out of jail and he's going to yeah. eat his favorite it's thing, like, which is the live octopus. And it's like the in most the, in the story like that is true. He's trying to feel the most but, alive that he possibly can. Yeah, and it's also just like I an incredible. I am thing like to a watch. Buddhist <laughs> about filmmaking only, where I think that no animals should ever be harmed in the making of anything. How do you feel about apocalypse well, now? Okay, I feel but I, you I don't eat, budge. Like, you eat a hamburger. I do indeed. So, but I wouldn't sit down and <laughs> film eat a live animal for a movie because <laughs> you I could pretend of a, of a hamburger. <laughs> but what, <laughs> we would all do a mukbang of a hamburger. I think a live animal is different. I, I believe that when when you when your responsibility as an actor. You shouldn't that should not be tied to another life like five takes, five octopi, five lives. It doesn't I don't think I don't think it's okay. He could have not taken the role. Dude, what if it had been a kitten? Okay, let's just say I what it would it have been different if it were a mammal. I feel like somebody who's like an actual practicing Buddhist who has like real religious principles around this kind of thing, but is also an artist and has decided that they can separate those two things in their life. I'm kind of like, you know what? It's your prerogative because you believe the thing that I don't believe and you found a way through this and I don't even have that set of beliefs. So like, I don't know, like in the case of that, in the case of like eating something live on, in a movie as an actor. I feel like it's like if you're eating a chicken. Like a live chicken, like a li- Molly? Well, like you, what if you had to slaughter the chicken in order to then fry it? Like If I had to slaughter a chicken every take in a movie and then eat more than I <laughs> needed because I needed to get... That's the thing. If you're eating because you're hungry and you eat meat and you want to slaughter a chicken and eat it, I, I get that. But I think in the construct of making a movie, you're not eating out of hunger. You're eating as a performative <laughs> thing. It I, can't be alive. Here's what I love about this. Tess is coming at this from the actor's perspective of like, here's what the actor has to do. Emily's yeah. the director. She's like, the actor has to do whatever yeah. the director says. And I'm being a writer who's like, well, it's in the script. So yep. you have to do it. It's I, in the script. Can't change it. I don't know, man. I I just always like animals on set has always been like a, a very there's tender a, point for me. There's a lot of bad. Well, what about, aren't people just animals, man? Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. I honestly, what about I feel child? the same way about child, child actors. actors. You should dude. never eat them. You should. Never. If the child actor has already been processed, it's fine. I'm just just gonna say again. uh, Bran's gonna win Game of Thrones. The child actors. By the time this airs, we will know who won. I was right about Splat winning. Winning Veep. Spoiler. Okay. So spoiler. You're on a roll now. Right. Um, well, if you have any thoughts should, about okay. animals on set, uh, both you know whether they're on screen being eaten, when they're, whether they're being eaten at craft services, whether they're a human who's being eaten by our eyes when we watch them as consumers, <laughs> <laughs> is that a stretch? <laughs> um, Not a stretch. <laughs> uh, please give us a night call at one two four zero four six night or a night email. Uh, we want your thoughts because this is obviously a very hot topic of debate and we are nowhere near <laughs> resolving it. I could go on. I love when we stumble on something like that. Well, do that. you guys do you guys kill bugs? I try not to. Yeah, but to. like unwillingly. Like, okay. I mean, cuz I will I only kill mosquitoes 
and ants that are in the house. But mosquitoes are good. Ma- no, mosquitoes are the <laughs> no, number one deadliest I'm animal, joking. Molly. Okay. So you only can kill... I don't kill spiders. I never kill crickets. I never kill, you know, Okay, but you're establishing crawlies. a hierarchy of animals and creatures. What I'm saying is, is that I will not be the murderer. If I died and then someone was like, we're going to make, you know, pot roast out of Tess and someone ate it, I wouldn't be mad at the person who ate me. Well, speaking of those theories, you guys know that I think Impossible Burger is people. And yeah, I believe I've you. I've still never had an Impossible Burger because it creeps me oh, out too much. Me neither because it creeps me out too much. The heme, the fake yeah, blood. The heme. Who wants that? Nobody wants it's so it. Weird. And... It's such a weird approach to fake meat. It's like I right, I, I don't want it to be like meat. I want it to be just as satisfying as meat, but I'm not trying to replicate the experience. Like Do you not know what you all. know what ruined it for me is when a reviewer said that the consistency was cat food like. I was like, Goodbye oh, and no. I'm out. Never gonna try no. that ever in my life. I think it's people I think it's people meat they grew in a lab and then when it's fully caught on, they're gonna be like, Guess what it's people meat? <laughs> Everybody and, likes and it wouldn't already. that be shocking? Because they were like, and it's not the one called Soylent, right? Yeah, right? Soylent, Soylent gotcha. with the red herring. They're like, let's do this Soylent's first. The red herring. Although yeah. I will say, I wish there was something like Soylent that tasted good. Uh, I drink a lot. I don't. You don't like food? I like protein smoothies. Sometimes I like don't want to eat for the first part of the day. I don't. No. You don't have to. I love a juice. But I, no, you need. Something. I love a juice. Almond, almond milk, or whatever. Yeah, juice. I love. I'm. I love juice. You know when everyone came down on juice? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why? Because it's all sugar. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing. Delicious. I'm like, I don't really have an issue with juice. I have an issue with processed yeah. sugar, but like, I will not deny myself juice. It seems it's seems a nice mellow green like, juice with juice. like a little bit of like lemon in it. It's very nice. I can't nice. believe this yeah. is where we all agree. We're such <laughs> basics <laughs> about juice. We're I, like, I make you my know own juice. Good? A kale juice, a little bit of kale. I like a straight up orange juice with ginger. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a really good juice. Talking about juice. Talking about, about juice. juice. Hey, let's take a night call, yeah. you guys. Okay, so we have a night call from Mackenzie. Hello, night call team. I have recently come upon a Craigslist post for a harpsichord that is very possibly built by Dr. Kevorkian. Is it possible to solve this mystery or the further moral mystery of whether building Baroque instruments is okay? Thank you. Also, in closing screen grabs in case the listing is removed, which we will put in our show notes. Okay, so this <clears throat> harpsichord was listed for $650. It's for sale in Echo Park. It's called the Zuckerman Harpsichord. So there's a, it's a long Yeah, posting. I mean, the posting is, we should probably read a part of it, but like we'll link to it and hopefully it's still up or we'll just do a screen grab of it if it, if it goes down for any reason. I love how it, there's a long intro where it just talks about like, it's a really nice instrument, like a very nice 60s harp- harpsichord. Like think pet... Hard sell in yeah, the preamble like pet here. sounds, anyone? Hard sell. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it says, according to the guy who sold me this harpsichord, Karen Kammerer was a nurse who worked at the same hospital that Dr. Kevorkian practiced at in Eugene, Oregon. If you know about Dr. Kevorkian or Dr. Death, you may know that he led a highly controversial practice of assisted suicide. There were a few states where assisted suicide was legal, two of which were in the Pacific Northwest, Washington and Oregon. This Michigan-born doctor naturally gravitated to these states because this is where he could practice. A lot of articles have been written on Dr. Kevorkian. A few of them mention him as being an amateur musician and composer, that he played the flute, organ, piano, and harpsichord. 
Even fewer of these articles mention that he also built his own harpsichords. Sources for this information can be found at the bottom of this ad. <laughs> the ad itself, the Craigslist itself has like a sources cited section. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> anyway, allegedly after Karen Kammerer, Nay Kincaid, retired as a nurse from this hospital, she started teaching classical piano and wrote for the local newspaper where she mostly covered music events. She was married to a music professor, er- Edward Kammerer, who taught at the University of Oregon. The guy who sold me this harpsichord believed believe that Dr. Death built a harpsichord for a camera while they worked together at the hospital in Eugene, Oregon. This makes sense, as Dr. Kevorkian was a consummate bachelor who not only was highly interested in music, but could also build harpsichords. <laughs> so, like, it's just, it's like, sure, okay. of course. <laughs> I'm more worried about yeah. the person selling this yeah. harpsichord. <laughs> than the harpsichord itself. Uh, I mean, it seems like it checks out. It feels like it's just like a bit of ephemera. Like, it doesn't feel like a cursed object like other things that we've discussed on this podcast. <laughs> no, because Dr. Dr. Kevorkian is cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. We're pro-Dr. Kevorkian. Definitely pro. I can speak for, yeah, maybe maybe oh, not no, all no, of us no, are. No, I yeah, am. Yeah, We're cool. all pro. pro? Yeah. Okay, good. My question, though, is why did this person buy this harpsichord and then not fix up the harpsichord and is now trying? Trying to up? like, or, huh? I, th- I thought it was in good condition. No, because at the end it says this old gal needs some TLC. All strings are present, but a bunch of the pluckers on the plectrums, pluckers on the, on the plectrums. pluckers on the plectrums, <laughs> need Fake. some work. The leather pluckers <laughs> that have problems appear to be a bit limp. This is like, like a poetic. There's so few people who are probably like harpsichord techni- technicians that you could just make up all the words about a hor- harpsichord. Like, oh yeah, the, oh, the of pluckers course. are a little bit. Uh, <laughs> rusty <laughs> so the the seller says i bought this harpsichord with the intention of doing it myself meaning fixing it up but just never got around to it even though it includes a manual guys i'm going to say that i think this harpsichord is a haunted harpsichord i don't know if it belonged to dr kevorkian or if this harpsichord just came from someone who's like a bad person i don't know maybe this person wants to sell a harpsichord for almost 700 dollars. You- they're staring at they're like who would buy? Oh, you know what is it? It needs a good backstory. Have you ever Dr. like Kibor bought something can. at a yard sale and been like, "Ooh, a project," and then never touched it again? Like, I, I that checks out to me. Not a harpsichord. Well, I, I draw oh, a sofa. <laughs> I can see somebody being like, "You have to buy this harpsichord that Dr. Kavorkian built. It's a one-time only deal." And you're like, "Okay, fine, I'll take it." And then, and then you're like, "You no. forget about it, or it's just like too much work." You realize it's you a, need some tool that you elephant. don't have or something, and then it just keeps getting put off. I mean, this is very plausible to or me. Like, you don't know how to play the harpsichord, but you were envisioning a world where you right, would yeah, learn. better life. That feels for like yourself. a very yeah. Echo Park thing to do. Like, I'm gonna start a band that has a harpsichord in it. And- uh, <laughs> the harpsichord band. <laughs> if you put up an ad in Echo Park for Dr. Kevorkian's harpsichord, it would sell for seven hundred dollars, yeah. like hotcakes. I don't know. So you think, but it's six hundred and fifty dollars, and that I I don't know. Well, how much does a harpsichord cost? It's a, a piece of machinery. That's a Lucille Bluth question. Oh, I was just going to say that if the person wanted to sell the, the harpsichord, they could probably just like take a nice blanket down to the, the, the Walgreens parking lot and sit with the harpsichord out yeah. there. It would yeah. go in a day yeah. in Los Angeles. Beachwood Canyon, yeah. sell that harpsichord. You think someone would buy would buy a harpsichord for $650 in poor condition? That yes, maybe if they knew to it Dr. Bu- was built, possibly built by Dr. Kevorkian. See, I think that works against the harpsichord. Why? I do. Hollywood Boulevard, sell it in 10 minutes. It's, 
All right. Well, let's keep tabs. If if possible, keep your eye out for future postings about this harpsichord. If not, we'll have to assume it's sold. Um, but I'm curious. I'm I'm pretty skeptical, y'all. Also, the fact that Dr. Kravorkian was a, like a, a harpsichord enthusiast on the side just makes makes me like him more. So industrious. <laughs> uh, a multi-talent. So, guys, we had another topic that we wanted to talk about that um, has turned into like a it's somehow related to conspiracy theories, but it was an interesting, interesting topic on its own. This is as close as we're going to get to a QAnon uh, chat on this on this podcast. Sorry. Sorry, everybody who's expecting us to go in the QAnon direction. well, we're anti-QAnon, but no, we're very clearly anti-QAnon. We like to talk anti. about conspiracy theories from an angle of like some of these things are real or point to other or some things that are real don't get talked about that should be talked about more. Well, let's just start with the facts before the conspiracy element um, got introduced. Recently, a th- more than a thousand guns um, were found at a Holmby Hills residence. Uh, LAPD and the ATF came and found like gun manufacturing equipment, so like a thousand guns, a huge amount, like a huge cache, huge, crazy of, of of arms. I like that in the. I think it was a KTLA article where one of there was like a rabbi who was who worked in the neighborhood or something. He's like, I grew up in Brooklyn, and even I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> like implying that there's just tons of gun caches everywhere in, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> I think there might be more gun caches around than we than we think. want to so. think about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I cannot believe how low the bail was for the. Oh guy. my god! The bail was fifty thousand dollars, so and he's he out now out. on bail. This guy's name is Gerard Sands, I think, and so he's a renter in this house that is owned by a woman named Cynthia Beck, who was the former mistress of Gordon Getty, um, who is J. Paul Getty's son and worth like two billion dollars. So she was a mistress of Getty's, has three of his children. She owns all of these properties all over Los Angeles, and many of them are abandoned and dilapidated. Like she has one in Malibu that shares a driveway with John McEnroe, and it's on half an hour, uh, half an acre in Malibu, and it's just totally abandoned. She has one in Echo Park that's like an uh, abandoned. And I call compound in Malibu. I know, I know. Take Cynthia a, Beck, call us up. Donate but to our Patreon so we can buy those. Yeah, compound. <laughs> Um, but she apparently she's a recluse and she now is like maybe somewhere in Europe, but she is uh, it seems to be like a friend of the guy who was arrested and, and was making these guns. So we don't know too much information. Maybe a former paramour. Maybe. We don't um, know. There was a secondary location in Chinatown that also got raided. That had yes. That was connected to guns. the same guy. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Same guy. He had two huge weapons caches. So this, Molly was saying um, at some point before we started recording that this has now been tied to like conspiracy theories about the deep state uh, among like Democratic donors in California. Right. Um, Well. (laughs) (laughs) So basically. Let's just say a lot of prominent, powerful people do have like shadowy stuff going on. Yeah. Such as it's like the tech billionaires are upfront about it. That they have weird panic room mm-hmm. scenarios right. planned out. And I out think that for... anybody who has the resources to create a panic room probably has resources to do the things that, to 
to amass the sorts of things that would make other people want to have panic rooms, you know? Like, you have your defense and you have your offense. Like, I don't know. Like, it it feels like there's always all this sort of general talk and anxiety right now about, like, oh, man, like, what if it just becomes a civil war? But I feel like the, like, real crazy people who have a ton of money are already, like, totally prepared for that already. It does not strike strike me as surprising at all. Right, because they know that the poor people should revolt against them. So they're totally prepared for the possibility that it could happen. They got the Les Mis set up. It does look (laughs) like some Les Mis shit, like, all all those photos of just, like, piled. They're, like, they're, like rifles they were all kinds of guns i mean it was quite alarming we were arguing about the exact geography of um where this house was located it was i believe on beverly Glen, which um goes all the way you know through sherman oaks in the valley and then uh i believe like even south of wilshire so it's it cuts like a very large it's like uh, it goes through like the ucla because i used to walk up beverly Glen when i used to Park. Yeah, my mom yeah. said that she drives past this house every day on her commute to work, and that yes. she was like, "I could not believe right there. It's like a it's pretty like on the street trafficked yeah. location. So it is. Wild. Yeah, it's not in the middle of nowhere like you would assume. Right, a gun cash panic room thing would be. It's right in the cut. I think they found it because of an anonymous tip, and it's interesting too because it sounds as though this was all kind of like cloaked in secrecy for most of the neighbors, and you wonder how somebody figured out what was going on. Um, I think that the tip, and I might be wrong about this, but I believe that the tip uh, said that there was, you know, that guns were being manufactured and sold, which is the technicality that allowed them to go in there. Because I think you are allowed to have a gigantic cache of guns. You're just not allowed to manufacture and sell them. That's what the worst part was the statement. They were like, you can have as many guns as you want. You just need a license. They were right. like, you can have literally thousands of guns and that's perfectly Better legal. Better have a permit as long and a license. You have a license. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. we were talking about how this sort of feels the the whole continuing Britney Gate as well, and all these stories that kind of feel like they're at least fueled and at least magnified in public uh, imagination by sites like Crazy Days and Nights, which we are all regular readers of, I believe. But it's also gone totally in the conspiracy theory direction recently well the commenters went really hard in the right. q on direction and some of the crazy days and nights yeah. lines go really hard in the q on direction but what was crazy was this getty related gun cash story did imply like oh maybe there's some right. truth to the idea that there are like shadowy cabals of rich dynasties that can do stuff above the law there's can a lot of like, truth to that and, um, and equip them and everything <laughs> like uh, yeah. yeah, and it would be naive to think that people aren't doing that, especially in anticipation of like climate change. So you just like and... shoot the fires and the <laughs> until they go away. It's a really, really strong strategy. <laughs> the movie The Day After Tomorrow, yeah, Day After Tomorrow taught me you outrun weather. Yeah, you got to outrun the weather. You outrun extreme you weather. You can do it. Um, well. I was kind of very skeptical of the Free Britney campaign, thinking that it was largely based on conspiracy. We were skeptical because it seemed like people were overreaching their sort of citizen duties as fans into like, we must protect Britney because she is not being protected by her family. Turned out that was true. Yeah. Britney has now joined. Well, you probably know because now it's a week old and everyone's eyes have been on Britney today. But yeah, Britney has joined the Free Britney campaign and wants her conservatorship to end. I've always thought this 
was like a very enduringly interesting kind of situation with the conservatorship. So little information has come out. Usually in situations like these, you'll have like a lot of leaked information that will kind of point you to what's actually happening. Um, And maybe out of respect for her privacy, like maybe for good reasons, this has been protected. But it's super... It, it's taken some very Wait, so what's the latest turns. on it? Because last I, I knew she had, you know, posted the video saying that my family and I are going through a tough time right oh. now. We respect your privacy. Like, yeah. Well, today it was announced or leaked to TMZ that she's going to get the conservatorship repealed and that she was put in the mental hospital against her will. And what by was dad. but what like precipitated that? Why did she get put in the like? Because reportedly. Her medication wasn't working, um, and so her she she started kind of getting out of control, and her dad put her... But it's also she's so tightly controlled right. that one of the things that they were like, she's out of control, she was driving by herself to get fast food. Right, she's not right. supposed to, she's, she's not, not allowed supposed to drive. To, she's, not, she's like a child. Yeah. It's like they treat her like a child. She can't do anything that an adult can do, and if she doesn't, like something an adult can do by themselves, they're like, that's violating right. the conservatorship. Yeah. Which is super fucked up, especially for somebody who was a pageant child and child star and then teen star. I hesitate to armchair diagnose anything going on with her. Like, I feel like she probably does have some serious issues. And like, while I wouldn't say like, oh, I definitely know that a conservatorship is the right thing for her. I think like people saying like she should be able to live a life just like like all the rest of us is like a little bit naive. Like, we don't know what her situation is because it is very... I read there was an amazing ONTD deep dive on her parents. Uh-huh. ONTD original. Oh no, they didn't. One is uh, not always great. They also have some QAnon and like turfs in the comments there. Even mm-hmm. it's not perfect, but some of the original journalism, including their piece about Britney's dad, was very interesting. Um, you know they have a history. Not to again, not to armchair diagnose, but Britney's grandmother killed herself, mm-hmm. and. The whole family was like traumatized by it. Like she was very much put in the position of being the breadwinner from like a childhood age, which mm-hmm. is traumatic and abusive, I would say, to yeah, do to no, kids, 100%. you know, to be like, yeah. you're the moneymaker. Like her parents are not the people who should be in charge at this point, or like at least not her dad. Um, I don't think her family has her best interests at heart necessarily, again, or at least her dad in the conservatorship. And that's what became clear. Like, if, I don't know, I feel like she should be allowed to decide whether she wants to be committed or not. Yeah, I I think it's it's trickier than it appears. But what's interesting is that, you know, after Britney's Graham, the podcast started kind of bringing some of these things to light. Um, a lot of people were pretty defensive and saying, you know, that by prying into her private life, they were doing her a real disservice. And I I sided with those people. I was like, how intrusive, you know, especially if she's having a tough time, if she's struggling with mental health issues, it seems really unfair to put a spotlight on her. But now it what is kind of seems clear is that so Britney's Graham, I believe, was kind of reading into these Instagram posts that she was posting. And one of them was like a hole in a brick. And the caption was, there's always a way out. And they were like, look, she's trying to say that she's trapped in this conservatorship, which seems totally bonkers to infer that. She posts so much inspirational content. You could just read anything you want. Isn't her her Instagram totally run by like other people, though, at this point? 
point too, don't you think? No, I don't think so. Her actually. Instagram went dark after she went um after she was like placed yeah. in the mental institution. So it seems as though it actually is partially run by her. And it's very corny, which makes it seem like it's genuinely hers, you know? No like, shade. I love her. No shade, but she posts like yeah. some deep fried memes and stuff sometimes yeah. where it's like a screenshot of a screenshot where yeah. you're like, that feels real. Yeah. That feels like Britney would do that. Um, and she's has fashion friend, shows at home. No, I mean, she's such an interesting person. Yeah. Um, it seems to me personally that when she signed another Vegas contract, like something happened where she either didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, the uh, the part that's conspiratorial is that they argued that her dad is not sick, that he was like faking his illness or si- being sick in order mm-hmm. to have an excuse of like that's why Britney's taking time off when it was really that she had right. mental health problems, mm-hmm. go you know, or just needed to take time off for mental health. And the same thing was like then she had another breakdown because her dad is sick, right? And people were like, is her dad sick? If he's sick, why is he in charge? If he might die soon. Just a lot of things seemed kind of out of whack. Right. Um, I think a lot of things that seem complicated, you're like, oh, it's not actually complicated. It's just structured in a way where you're like, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. I don't, know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. The entire conversation around this like creeped me out so much that I didn't really ever go too deep on on the the initial free Britney thing, just because I did think that it was it seemed so. It seems super presumptuous Ditto. and kind of like a weird like projection-y type thing that I did it like that all these fans yeah all the stan culture stuff right. that I just like couldn't stan really get culture. with and I, I, but I mean I don't know this all has just happened today so yeah, who knows what'll uh. yeah I just feel like there's a lot of perfect blue stuff happening in pop culture right I just now. watched perfect blue again <laughs> this week um, so, shout out to the good people at G Kids who sent me a Blu-ray it's of so it good. it's so Such good a great I movie. love it. Uh, but yeah, Ariana Grande also like put out a statement about her mental health just being like, I should be happy because I just headlined Coachella and I'm like the saddest I've ever been in my life. And that made me like her again for a minute because I was like, oh, like. well, I can't wait till she feels lit inside. I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just feel like being a pop star of that magnitude, being suck. a star of that magnitude, and especially as a young woman, it would yeah. ruin your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would destroy your life and alienate you from yourself so much Mm -hmm. and that it must be a it's like such a unique mental health situation. It's like, how could you even treat that? The only people who understand this are like Britney and like Marilyn Monroe. It's like being shot into space. Like the only people who can understand you are other people who have been to space. I think at a certain point you're just like, you don't know. You don't know what it's like to see the earth from up here. Like, Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> can I take a Momo minute to condemn Jeff Bezos' oh, Jesus space condos? Christ. Yeah. Oh, please condemn them hard. Night call yeah. rules no. Yeah. <laughs> the no space condos. space condos. But, however, if all the rich people, if all the super rich billionaires want to go to space, yes. to the space condos... Like, like we won't madness. stop them. I love the idea of being like, "Oh my god, this is such a good idea, Jeff." Hey, yeah, we're we're right behind you. We'll be moving into our space condos next week. But you go on ahead. You go on ahead, and then just like <laughs> letting him be up there by himself and go crazy. You yeah. guys go first, and you can just make and manufacture all yeah. the guns you want in your. And you'll have so many mansions. Mozart's and Einstein's, like. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Kevorkian's harpsichord, you can bring it with you. It'll be a nice relic. 
And we will just tend to the dying planet and yeah. nurse it back to without health, your and interference. Then go crazy like in space. you know, you can. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. No, the whole thing about like, oh, if we have a trillion people in space, that means a thousand more Einsteins and Mozarts. I was just like, are you? A- I couldn't <laughs> even handle it because so it was stupid. so. But I'm just like, it makes me angry at everyone because it makes me angry at anyone who ever enabled him to like yes. be in this position. I was just thinking today. I was like. In the universe where, like, Alta Vista is the predominant search right. engine, like, none of this well, happens. I'm, I'm, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> we could only go back. They're so <laughs> stupid. They should be exposed. That's the whole thing about the Elizabeth Holmes documentary is you're like, expose her as a fraud, but, like, expose them all as mm-hmm. frauds. They're all just, like, fake, intel- like, TED Talks in a vest being, like, none of the people who have all the money know, any like, are doing what they should with it. Yeah. And that is why people are having gun caches in the hills because they know we're going to all figure that out. And the price is wrong. Guys, the jury's <laughs> out. this is too depressing. <laughs> I think we need to pivot to one last night call and to feel lit inside again. I want to feel lit inside like I do every time I hear the word pivot and it <laughs> triggers me to shudder uncontrollably. We will be pivoting forever. <laughs> We've got a night call from Austin. Hey, night call. I'm driving at the moment, so I must keep it brief. But does Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon count as a cryptid song? If so, that's probably in the running for the most famous cryptid in popular music, no? Anyway, thank you. Austin from Milwaukee. Austin from Milwaukee. I believe you're right. Werewolves of London is totally a cryptid song. Is there a ranking that we can find where we can like look at songs by by like what they talk about and then which one is the most popular so we can decide definitively what the most popular werewolf song is? Because I feel like there's a lot of werewolf songs. Maybe there are more werewolf songs than any other. Werewolves are mentioned in Personality Crisis. You're a prima ballerina on a summer afternoon or whatever. Um, other people, I don't know what you're talking about. What are the other werewolf songs? Um, I don't know. Wolf Like Me by TV on the radio. There's a really uh-huh. about being a real wolf. It's about that's about like wolves. <laughs> that's not about being a werewolf. Is it not? Oh, yeah, it's, it's like it's about wolf. like when the moon is whatever. I forget the lyrics of that song. But there's also a really amazing. There's a um, um, a Mexican band called La-, La Union that has like this song that I love. That's about werewolves. Also called, I think it's called like. Lobo Ombre and Perry is like the Wolfman in Paris. Um, <laughs> Where does the mash fit into this? The monster, the monster mash. mash? That's yeah. got, just got all Mo- of them. Are those cryptids though? Are they like technically creatures? Well, the mummy, or are they? Like haunted house mummies of are rock actual is, people though. that have been mummified. Right. Mummies are not cryptids. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein also not a cryptid. No, I, I think you need. Yeah, I mean, there might in the monster mash there might be a werewolf element. I would like to know. I don't really. I don't remember. know. I. I do. I, I can't think. I'm hard think pressed purple to people think of eater. something. Purple people eater yeah. is one. Okay, purple people eater. Yeah. Which we yeah. Um, personality crisis mentions the werewolf howling at the moon. I think that counts. The werewolf bar mitzvah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's um, not that but many. I, I still think that like the she real... wolf by Shakira. Ooh. I was a teenage werewolf by the Cramps. None of these are more famous than Werewolves of London. No, Werewolves of London is such a good song. Uh, producer Rachel is informing us there's a Blue Oyster Cult song about Godzilla. Um, oh, that's a great whoa, song about nice. Godzilla. I love that song. <laughs> um, you will be shocked to know there are two Rob Zombie songs about werewolves. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's great. Both from 2010, Werewolf Women of the SS and uh, Werewolf Baby. Werewolf point. Baby. What about, um, are there swamp creature 
songs. There's a mountain goat song, How to Embrace a Swamp Creature. All right. I found a list. Loch Ness by Judas Priest. Nice. Hellhound on My Trail by Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Monster Mash. I, again, I'm curious about how the Monster Mash shakes out here. He was working in the lab late okay. one night. Our monsters are not necessarily cryptids. I'm just saying. What um, defines a cryptid? The dictionary definition of cryptid is... Um, I think a, it's like an a, oh. unproven <laughs> species. Like it's a species that has been theorized but not proven to exist, right? Oh, okay. But I, it's not a human, correct? It cannot be a human. Yeah. Um, a mummy is definitely not so a cryptid. So a mummy can't be. A werewolf? Be... Okay. No. I a think that a werewolf is like, a debatable. Okay. I think when it's in werewolf there... form, maybe. But I think like overall the phenomenon of a werewolf is yes. not oh. cryptid. The zombies are having fun. Zombies are not cryptids. The party had just begun. Okay. The guests included Wolfman. Okay. Dracula and his son. Well, the Wolfman is a different werewolf. than... Excuse me? How? He's the number one <laughs> okay, werewolf in the then. gang. Yeah. I, you... still, I still think the best cryptid is the squonk. Yeah. This When Steely Dan busts out a squonk because squonks can't stop crying and they die because they just can't stop crying. I think that that is like still the best cryptid in a song. Werewolves of London is a very good song as well. It's a good Yeah, we're going to have, have a, a, a night call playlist coming out soon. So get in all your requests for cryptid jams before uh, before Molly uh, cuts that mix. And <laughs> they might make it. And if you would like access to that mix, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon, which is, which is patreon.com forward slash nightcall. Um, we have different tiers and rewards, but you will get access to our show notes, a monthly newsletter, mixtapes, and more. $3 a month will give you the monthly newsletter and mixtape. So two in one plus show notes, extra night, night call content uh, all month long. And if we hit our goal of $2,000 um, a month, then we will do a live call-in show, which we're really excited to do because we've been wanting to do that for a long time. Maybe yeah. we'll even do it one day anyway. But you should still subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, would you please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing and following us on social media, Night Call Podcast uh, on Facebook and Instagram, Night Call Pod on Twitter. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't watched it yet, just going to plug it again. Watch the little infomercial we made for the Night Call Patreon. Oh, yeah. A joint collaboration between these three heads. Bye. Yay. of endless diets and weight loss struggles it's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results introducing smart metabolic burn from brain md your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat imagine burning fat balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks this unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula berberine which targets abdominal fat and oea which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day 
day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.